0: Welcome to the Challenger podcast. It's been a while. Um, I'm your co host, Zach Miller, Tearsheets Editor in Chief. I'm joined by Josh. Josh, want to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody.
1: Josh Liggett, our crowd. Zach, been a long time.
0: It has been. Uh, we just checked before the show. It's episode 16 of the Challenger Bank podcast. Uh, last time we spoke about this subject was uh, August 2020.
1: Bit of a different world back then. No one knew what an NFT was, SPACs were really interesting.
0: What else is going on? <laughs> uh, foreign, uh, challenger banks were making, uh, were, there was an excitement about them breaking into the U S market. Yeah. It was the next, the next great hope. Um, so a lot of that has changed. I guess part of this episode will be catching up, I guess, where we left off. How does that yeah. sound?
1: It sounds good. And then getting the more fun stuff. Uh,
0: so, so let's start with N26. They were, they were in the FT recently. Um, an interview, uh, with the with one of the founders um, and and the headline was something about them getting it wrong uh, on global expansion and crypto. Um, So this is interesting N 26, you know, at the same time as as Revolut, two of the biggest European players decide a couple years ago that they're going to they're going to penetrate the U.S. market big plans, though not very big plans. Um, When asked for specifics back then, I remember reporting and, and talking about them here on the podcast with you, Josh. Uh, there wasn't a lot of marketing. Do- there weren't a lot of marketing dollars allocated to these um, their launches in the U.S. And there wasn't a lot of thought around differentiation. Um, I know you uh, you and I had spoken about that a couple of years ago.
1: We also, uh, if you recall, they also went after Brazil, yes. which was hilarious because there's New this bank. thing called New Bank, which yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of.
0: Which is uh, it might be ent- the biggest challenger bank in the world, right? Yeah
1: and, yeah, and and pretty entrenched in coming into a market that was underserved and needed a new, needed a new bank, no pun intended or pun intended, whatever you want. And they came in and said, Hey, we're going to go into your backyard and beat you at, you know, and beat you at your game, which doesn't seem like it worked out too well. Uh, and you know, not, not the greatest of decisions. Um, but it's just interesting. Like, I, I think we see that I see this in the startup world all the time. And I'm sure you see it, you know, in the world that you can't just flip a switch and switch regions and like, you can't just say, Oh, uh, I'm, There's not I'm a doing, global playbook, right?
0: Yeah, a even, singular global even, playbook.
1: Yeah, even like in the US and going different states it could be nuanced. Even totally. like to go from Europe to you know uh the, the US is totally different things to be in Asia and to go from one Asian country to another, two totally different things. And just the I you know board meetings are going to say the board members are going to say hey, you know, we're just going to go to the US, no problem, everything's going to be great and then you know push comes to shove it, it it's a lot more difficult and you can't just you have to think double whatever you think you're going to do, double everything, all the costs and all the, you know, the, the growth half everything. And that's just what happened basically.
0: So, so we've seen N26 actually subsequently, um, retreat from the U.S. market. Revolut still seems um, interested in, in tackling the U.S. market. Um, one of the things in this article uh, that the N26 co-founder had said was, "Wow, we could use that time in term, instead of global expansion, really focusing in, on building our core products better and including crypto. And in this time period where N26 kind of went on the global expansion, um, it didn't really focus on uh, on this whole new market that was arising and feels a little bit late to the game. Um, one thing I should also say, this article also points out that N26 last year, there was sort of a a, a, a dubious um, veil cast over what had gone on in Germany. Uh, Baffin, the, the local regulator, is limiting now uh, N26 from opening up uh, accounts to 50,000 a month. And, and if you do the numbers, N26 had been opening up about 170,000 accounts a month. So this was this was handcuffs. Um, and. Uh, you know, this had to do something to do with, with, we still don't have a lot of details on it with anti-money laundering protocols. So something went down there and, uh, and the German regulars saying, Hey, we're just going to hold the, we're going to hold the reins a little bit tighter on N26 N 26 gearing up to do an IPO. And they just did a huge round of, 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 of fundraising. Um, but it's only worth a third of what, what Revolut is. Um, and so there's something about, you know, whatever went on behind the scenes, I think that's holding this company back. Maybe that's a good thing.
1: Maybe it could be a good thing just to, you know, slow down. I don't know. But but going back to what you said about, you know, crypto, I mean, now is like, I mean, this week is probably a bad week to talk about, well, man, we should have done crypto after what's what's going on in the markets and, and what the people, you know, all the FUD that's going on in, in the crypto markets and the overall markets in general. But I mean, it was, it, you could have seen probably two years ago, you know, that there was a lot of hype getting into the crypto markets. I don't think Elon was doing i don't know we have to go back and when elon started talking about you know dogecoin Dennis, and the keeping, yeah. you know, and all that stuff and getting all the wall street bets guys pivoting from uh you know all the retail side of being into GameStop and moving into the crypto markets because it's just the wild west in there but it was it, just the concept of well maybe it shouldn't have been crypto but the idea of like you said focusing on our core business before we go out and expand it just right. makes so much more sense and You know, not to have any spoilers, but who we're going to talk about next, I think, did the opposite of that and was really focused on building their core business out and then said, hey, now we got this together. Let's go and and expand out and move over the world. And I think that's just more successful way of of building out a, a startup or a business.
0: I agree with that. And um, I know that was something that you used to harp on. Um, You know, when a lot of the challenger banks were launching new colored cards, new different new metals in in terms of the composites, uh, you were talking (laughs) about unit economics and no one seemed to be talking about unit, unit economics. They were more concerned about the colors. But I think the world has matured. Obviously, since then, there was some euphoria, euphoric you know, maybe wishful thinking around some of these things, but you know now these 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 banks are are or at least challenger banks may not have a full license, but they're they're thinking about building a real business now, especially as they as they think about going public.
1: Yeah, and especially now, like with with the markets, are they going to be tolerated? How long are we going to tolerate? You know, the lack of positive yeah. economics we've seen with a few fintech stocks out there. You know that that there's been the market is starting to say, okay, we we need to start seeing something. So uh, in terms of a, a path. Like, not just yeah. a, a bridge. or. or Let's see a what plan.
0: Let's see a real plan.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is gonna, we're going to get to positive you can, economics, you know, net profitability. You know, it's it seems like people are starting to say, okay, well, we're, we're, you need to start getting your acts together. But who knows? It could go on for longer. You know, this could be just the flavor of the month of January just being bad. And then February back, business is normal and everything's great. But uh, that's what it looks like right now. And that's what a lot of people in the industry have been talking about.
0: So I want to shift a little bit to Starling. I think that was who you were alluding to before. Absolutely. Um, so Starling UK Challenger Bank very decidedly um, had not s- had said years ago, you know, we're really focused on our domestic market. We're going to get it right here as we figure things out and we're going to get profitable. And that might have to do with Ann Bodden and, and her, her traditional banking background. You know, she wasn't really drinking the the, the Kool-Aid in the same way that some of these other guys were. Um, and now it seems that uh as as Ann and, and Co have plotted out uh, a path towards pro- profitability, um, they're going to be getting into the platform business as as banking as a service business, which as a technology company seems to make a lot of sense. Have you have you seen other companies do this, Josh? Is this like a the tried and true path?
1: I mean, if you look in the path, look at their path, which is really cool. I like that they have on their website. The, um, the road to Starling, which is really interesting about how they built it. They built it like very thoughtfully. They didn't, they started initially having some customers, but they got their banking license pretty early, if not mistaken. And I think they were also one of the, one of the first to get their banking license, uh, you know, in a, in a long time in the UK, if, if correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was, I think that You're was right. them. Um, and it was just, they, they, it was a very thoughtful process of how they built the business and they didn't build a, they didn't build a startup, they built a business. And, uh, you know, it it could be that, you know, some people, you know, like some people would rather have that explosive growth and those quick, you know, trying to get to as as high numbers. Yeah. Yeah. The the PR numbers, all those things, but they built a very solid business and, and all now suddenly, you know, five, six years down the road, they're in a great position and you know, and's done an incredible job as CEO of the company of building this thing out. And they were just, they're just eating everyone's lunch. You know what it seems like they're getting close, pretty close to profitability. I saw from last, like their revenues were increased like 500% or something like that. And they're, they had like, you know, five X growth in so many different KPIs. They're just doing a really good job. And that's not even the 2022 numbers, which uh, right. that was like the 2020, 2021 numbers at the 2122 numbers, which will come out in I think six months or so. But yeah. They've just done an incredible job and they're going global now. They're just going to be able to be offering more and more. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they can to you because again, it's not a shoe in regulations are totally different. You know, They're going to have to get everything together. They're going to have to really do it correctly, but the way it seems like, you know, they've done a really good job up until now.
0: What's interesting to me is also a lot of, it makes sense if you're building a digital bank eventually to, to spin off and uh, as a platform business, as a software business, I actually should take a step back. Does it make sense? Because they are two totally different businesses. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, I think. Um, We are and we're seeing a lot of new competitors, certainly at Tearsheet and in our coverage over the past 18 months. We've seen a lot of new competitors move into the banking as a service or or what we call embedded finance space um, as the platforms themselves behind the scenes. Um, You know what differentiates, you know, Starling from some of the other players out there, other than the fact that they know how to run a good bank, which is probably a good start. So, yeah. so one thing. So, one thing I should say is, um, if you look at at what Goldman did, and maybe we can we can move in, into the Goldman story with Marcus. Um, you're talking about also it. I, I when I talk about Goldman, I talk about it as the only, you know, top 100 bank, maybe the only bank that I can think of offhand that has undergone what we talk about as like transformation. Um, this is a bank that changed business units. It changed its customers. Um, I don't know if it'll work, but what it it is working in the sense of what it what it's targeted in terms of becoming a retail bank. Um, they've got you know millions of customers now. They've expanded into multiple geographies. Marcus itself also has launched an embedded finance platform and transactional banking platform that works with customers all over all over the world. Um, you know this is this is to me the the poster boy of what can what transformation can do, but it does require like you know you look at the Marcus results. Um, even though it's doing really well, it you know, Goldman Sachs has not successfully changed its business line enough that it, it looks like it's, wow, that's really working. I don't know if you could say that uh, financially, at least. Yeah.
1: Well, the Goldman's also still like, they're still doing their normal business, which is so big. It's hard to sort of make a dent into that. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, like, I mean, trading and, and investment banking is still, you know, still totally dwarfs the other things, but you know, it can retail banking in the way JP Morgan, um, has has created it can can retail banking become the core of goldman sachs um financially that would know. be really that'd be funny if it did yeah. i mean because it's like when i was in
1: college you know i'm sure when you're you know back in school like you're thinking about a goldman sachs the last thing you're thinking about is retail yeah uh, it's like the, the total opposite white thing. shoes the white yeah, shoes exactly the best, yeah <laughs> exactly investment in banking you think of you know you know, analysts coming out and, and working those 40 hour, you know, days, you know, whatever you want to call it. But it's interesting that gold. you know, there's the whole thing of gold, a lot of the Goldman credit cards they've been doing in the, in the consumer stuff. It's, you know, they, it's funny because it was a lot of it came out of buying, you know, they bought us a, a credit card, uh, like, uh, acquisition. Yeah, and they also, they also, yeah. From final a couple of years ago, they bought them, they mm-hmm. bought a few other guys and GE, like GM, I mean, you know, the stuff they've been doing, um this is a trend they've been doing for a while saying hey why don't we go and start being sort of like the back end for a lot of cards like they did as we discussed at length the apple card and all the fun Mm -hmm. stuff that went along with the apple card and and now you know gm and all the stuff they're doing it's it's really interesting it's uh it's you know what it reminds me of a little bit when you see that is like when when visa was supposed to buy plaid uh you know like when we we, when we got all excited about that because uh you know we love plaid but just the and 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 just APIs and now MX just coming in and doing all the stuff. But it was in, like we spoke about how like cool Plaid was and what would it do for business. And we looked at like their revenues versus like the valuation of Visa. It's like nothing. It's like right. it's like absolutely it means absolutely nothing to the overall bottom line. So it's something cool that it'd be interesting if you know if they're if they're able to build it up over time and and sort of because people would feel more comfortable with a name like Goldman Sachs as opposed to another startup. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, but I, I still think it'll be something else, you know, not necessarily their main source of business. I find that hard to,
0: hard to imagine just because everything else is so big. So, um, what Josh is alluding to was uh, Goldman Sachs. And we wrote about this on at sheet as well. Um, launched their second branded card partnership. The first one was with Apple. This one's with GM. Um, they'll be getting the, the GM card portfolio, um, and launching a new rewards card, totally digital. It's a pretty cool product and some pretty neat, like sort of digital onboarding tools uh, that they use there. It also means that of I think there were 6 million GM customers. I think they were part of this and Goldman Sachs will get access to, uh, you know, to open accounts, uh, banking accounts with each one of them. So this is the second branded partnership that Goldman has in the card space. And it also points to Goldman's strategy, which is the DTC business, the direct to consumer, as well as partnering with leading brands like the Amazon. Amazons and the Walmarts and the Jet Blues, the Apples and now the GMs and as as sort of, you know, it, it's it's very clear from the beginning that they they were going to go direct to the consumer as well as through these partnerships. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think they were smart in looking at the market and say, wow, you know, we are Goldman Sachs, but it's still really hard to acquire customers. Why not do it through these partnerships?
1: Yeah. And you're just you're doubling down on someone else on brand loyalty that's been built exactly. by marketing dollars, by god knows what gm's marketing dollars spent to acquire all those people like together so yeah. i mean was it 2.5 billion i don't know it could I be I, I could imagine it being more i, I yeah. really could over like the years to acquire all those different, yep. yeah like you know or to you know so it's it's they're just hey we'll back. it's like we're, we'll issue we'll back you sure we'll, we, we don't well, care re-
0: <laughs> it does require them not saying you know as 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 a brand itself, that we don't need to be, you know, in the front. We're, we're okay being even white labeled because if you look at the Apple Card, there's not a lot of mention of of any Goldman Sachs activity around around that product. So, is, how many banks could do that, you know?
1: But other than, you know, many. I think many of the listeners don't really think understand this, but the people who like aren't necessarily finance people. How many finance people? How many non finance people could tell you at IPO who's the underlying
0: investor? The underwriter, there? yeah, yeah. How many? None. Well, unless you work in the industry, you don't really know.
1: Exactly. You don't care. Like, Oh, like I, I, what I care more about, you know, when, when Robinhood goes public, the the retail traders are more pissed off that they couldn't get into the IPO, not who did the IPO, you know, like they're, they're more, they're more, they don't know who it is. So like, if you think about from the overall consumer, Goldman's always been in the background. It's been this like, sort of like this wizard of Oz, like structure that people think they know what investment banking is, which is classic, like, People who are in finance don't really understand what investment banking is. They, they, it's, which they've been a bunch of memes about that over, over the years. It's this thing that these guys just make a lot of money doing stuff. You know, that's deals, what they it's, make
0: deals, they do deals. Yeah, they,
1: oh, not even like the deals, they, they talk to people. I don't know, they, they make PowerPoints, you know, but like, but unless, and you, if you're in the industry, you know exactly what they do and you understand how important it is and where, where everything fits in. But so to say like, oh, they're going to be in the back for, you know, credit card issuing, same difference as before. Like, I don't think that's, that's so. True. I don't think that's so
0: crazy. I think it's different for a retail bank when 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 the brand itself is so is so primary uh, and valuable to the customer sure. relationship. It is a little different B2B yeah. versus B2C. But um, anyway, so, so a couple more things I'd like to, to talk about with you, Josh, before we go this week. Um, Revolut launches stock trading in the U.S., does that excite you? The 47th option for stock trading in the U.S. Cool. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does show at least that they're, they're thinking about the U.S. market and still committed to it. And and this is a trend that we've seen, you know, in embedded finance for most of the consumer facing uh, apps uh, moving into stock trading, as you're describing. It's just another option here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're um, just trying, I mean, listen, it's just trying to get more dollars. they are just trying to get people
0: to deposit make the their money. app stickier. And their, and yeah. That's all it is. Like. So cool. Acorn scrapped its 2.2 billion dollars SPAC. Not too surprising. No, SPACs <laughs> are just a disaster, huh? Crazy, totally nuts. And I mean, IPOs also. It's pretty.
1: It's pretty. It's 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 blood. Not a blood full blood bath, but it's pretty ugly out there.
0: Yeah, we we posted a, a chart. Uh, I don't think this past week, but the week before about stock price movement, either post SPAC or po- post IPO, and most of them are negative. Um, yeah, and it's it looks pretty ugly.
1: I think to pay. If you look at different different uh, verticals, I think a lot of the stuff like in the uh, auto, auto, like autonomous driving, is just getting hammered. Like that's one market I know that was getting that was getting totally crushed in, in this in this spac space because you're talking about stuff that's got long term revenue, like private companies that are not public, and now the, yep. the, the public market say, "Wait a minute, this is what you're. This is what's
0: going on. It's a little complicated." So is it is it a statement about SPACs themselves um, that that maybe immature companies are coming to market or are the market they're coming to market too early is there something about the 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 vehicle itself or is it or is it just that the market is horrible right now
1: i, I to me it was that you just had this crazy trend this just madness of people just with so much money to spend if you look at like what's happening in the vc world right now like in valuations like there's so much money there's you know multiple funds with Ten billion dollars, not one. There's like you know, you can probably you know, five or ten different you know funds that are doing early stage investing that have mm-hmm. so much money to spend. They got to put the money somewhere, and you have these facts that got created that need to deploy. They just had to because there's like a you know there's a time bomb on them. You have to you know by a certain point you have to you have to deploy. So they just did it because they thought, hey, I want to put my money somewhere. Maybe I'll just stick it at this this sort of long term bet, and and you know, there was a shortage of companies and valuations just got crazy. And, and now you're sort of, there's sort of a bit of a, a wrecking, but there's still the funny thing is, is that deals are still going to get done and there's still value. It's just, yeah, I think you still have a good, these are good companies. Yeah. You yeah. still have good companies. They're going to do fine. Like that's there, there's like a fear overall fear. I think of the market that like, Oh my God, everything's going to, everything's going to tighten up. Everything's going to be crazy. It's like, the company is still going to do great. still raise money are still going to perform well on the market. You may have a correction just overall in the market just because of, you know, I'm not an economist. You know, you're more. You know, Zach, you can give your your thoughts on that. You know, like of the Fed's Wait, been my, doing. My undergrad economic
0: degree would definitely give me some
1: <laughs> authority. We'll call, we'll, call the... Jan, we'll call Janet and see yeah. what she has to say about it, and uh, and, and Alan and everybody. But like the mar, the overall what's been going on with the market, and who knows what's going to happen over the next six months. But it's you know, there's probably going to be a correction. But that doesn't mean that good companies are going to be have good value over time.
0: Got it. Um, SoFi just got a, cleared the final regulatory hurdle to become a bank. So that looks like a, that's happening. That's interesting. Um, SoFi sort of first generation challenger bank, I would call it um, yeah. with, with roots and lending um, also bought Galileo, you know, the, the, the biggest uh, you know, Banking as a service platform out there, uh, sort of the jewel in the crown, I think. Um, gets a banking license, I think there might be some interesting stuff to that. That tie-up uh, continues to go. I know their numbers are still really aggressive for this coming year in terms of their growth. Um, Galileo does touch most of the top fintech firms that launch if they're launching a card. Galileo is involved somewhere along the way, so that's interesting.
1: Do you think this is a? Do you think this is just so they can have a better? Like bottom line in terms of gross margin, because they don't have to piggyback on other people or you think it's going to be there's other reasons that make this, you know, why they made it, why they just decided to become a bank finally.
0: Well, I think the economics are much better when you're a bank, obviously, uh, in terms of, of capital and cost of capital and permanent sources of funds. Um, I think there might be something interesting with the tie up with Galileo that Galileo can use Sofi as a, as, as its partner bank. Um, I think there could be some interesting both technological and business outcomes by doing that. Um, I think ultimately, if you want to get serious about being a bank, you have to be a lender along the way. So having your own license enables you to do that. And, in, and, in, yep. you know, um, one more thing I wanted to touch on with you, Josh, before we go this week was, um, this article by Tom Noyes on, on how BNPL will involve Buy Now, Pay Later. I know this is something you and I have been discussing you know, over the past few months uh, in bonds. our conversations. First well, of all, first of all couple of years ago. let me yeah. give you
1: credit because you part of my anti-portfolio of companies I passed on is this company on the Australian Stock Exchange called Split It, which, is by, which basically Buy Now, Pay Later on top of credit cards. And you were telling me about how interesting it was and how it's a layer of finance. 2016? 2017? So I thought you were crazy and I was <laughs> wrong. And uh, part of my anti-portfolio, it's like, it would have been a couple of, you know, a nice, nice little return on that. Um, so, yeah, you were, you were way ahead of it on, on this one. So I got to give you kudos on that.
0: Well, so I appreciate your honesty about that. What, um, it sounds like also you're open enough to, can you talk about what you got wrong or what you didn't see then that maybe <laughs> you missed it?
1: Cause, Well, I live in Israel.
0: Not as a way to rub it in, Joshua, as an economic, as I
1: live in in Israel. I live in Israel. And in in every single card company in Israel, when you go to the checkout of anywhere, ask you if you want to have, you know. Do you have many payments? Do you want one payment? Do you want two? 12 payments? You know, every every single they they've had this in Israel for how long, like. I don't even know. 30
0: years, maybe? Something like
1: that. Yeah. They've had it forever. So someone from Israel comes out with this idea, and we're like, come on. You know, like, like you know, Visa could just do it. You know what? NASCAR could just do it. Initiative Bank could just do it. This isn't, like, really a big deal. You know, they do it here already. You know, it, it just didn't seem innovative enough. And apparently, they could be both standalone business, and it's something, you know, it's a, it's a layer. that that's That's sort of what I went into it. And then and then when a firm started coming out and, and sort of doing it the way a firm's been doing it, which I think is very different than the way Splitit did it, which is super important. Um, and I think that's that's sort of what the article was talking about. But the way a firm has done it is a lot different. Once a firm started getting traction, it was like, oh, okay, this is actually much more interesting than that. Um, and that's why a firm's got a hundred x evaluation of Splitit. But uh, but uh, it's uh, it, it's just two totally different things. But that that's what to be honest, you know, I, I, you know, that's what you thought about, it. That's what I thought about.
0: Uh, right i you know, think you and i i think the the what maybe some people didn't see was the ability for um bnpl to be not just a payment option but to be the payment option in the sense that the brand the payment brand i think that's different like you said like visa and mastercard both have you know buy now pay later type functionality built into their platforms um but it you don't as a customer visa is not positioned that i can to go to visa and decide to do that right but Correct. a firm is actually positioning itself as is klarna as is afterpay as, as my preferred shopping app when I go to the market to go buy something. And so whether it's buy now, pay later, or it's buy now, um, I, I think a couple of the firms launched buy now buttons this year. We were joking about that in the office. Like they launched a buy now button, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's actually just a buy now. It's just a, it's just a, a button to buy something, but it is, it is novel in the sense that it was like, Oh, we, I can make an immediate purchase. I don't have to necessarily split them up. And, and, and what that does psychologically and what that does in its positioning is these companies are saying, I'm. I'm your, When you go shopping, start with me, start with the firm. I've got relationships with the major, yeah, with Amazon now. Um, I've got relationships with another few brands I've locked up. And so when you go shopping, consider me first, even if you're going to buy something and not finance it over over four payments.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy what they've been able to do. And they're basically becoming an issuing bank. As crazy as it sounds like that, that's what they're basically doing, except they're, they're being the issuing bank and, and the rails and everything. And they're just looping it all into one so that they can just circumvent the card networks, which is, you know, what you're, you know, this may may
0: be one of the big plays. Yeah.
1: Crazy. Absolutely crazy. around,
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Really interesting. Um, you know, uh, who knows what's going to happen. You know, I think you just start to get into the, especially with, you know, People being, which is something we've been speaking about for a while with the not people not loving credit cards as much anymore, moving towards debit a little bit more, being able to do rewards with debit, you know, which is something that wasn't able to be done in the past. It, 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 could, it could be, it could be really interesting what happens, you know, over the next couple of years with, with what by now, apparently, which is credit card. It's creating
0: more credit debt. Let's just, let's yes, be real here. It's, this is true. It's, and but as but we were it's talking totally about- different in the beginning of the show uh it is it is people are still falling into the same debt traps as they uh, whether they use BNPL Correct. or whether they use regular credit card i think it was marketed initially as sort of a better solution for credit and it may be ultimately but it, it is definitely being used um it is creating more debt in the market yeah. um uh anyway it'll be, i think it'll be interesting to see also um i saw i saw over last week Door DoorDash, DoorDash launched a DoorDash Capital all these all these like um all these platforms, these marketplaces are, are launching their own form of financing as well. And so, you know, I'm just curious, like five years, 10 years now, if we we're having these same conversations, like who are we talking to as the major lenders in the space? It may or may or not be centralized in the sense that of a financial institution, it might be an embedded brand that's doing a lot of that that underwriting.
1: Zach, DeFi is going to take over the world. They're, the people are going to be the major lenders. Come on, man.
0: Okay. So this is something we'll save for another conversation, Josh. Next time. There we but go. But I do want to talk about that because uh, we actually are launching, I mentioned to you, we're launching a, uh, a conference later this year in May called BankChain, which will be the combination. We, it's a hybrid finance of so bringing DeFi together with centralized incumbent finance, the financial industry. Um, there is a place for that. And I, I, I actually do believe in that. And I think that's something we can, we can talk about at another time.
1: Absolutely, it's it's going to be DeFi is super powerful, and and there's going to be. I know you're a be, big believer. I'm a big believer in DeFi, and I'm also, like you said, I agree with you. I'm a big believer that there can be a way for traditional finance and DeFi to be able to work with each other. Um, and I think that it's it's really interesting, and and it's like you've said, you've I've spoken many times is the, possibly one the most transformative tech that we're we're going to see in our lifetime. You know, the idea of DeFi, and and you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens you know once the regulators get involved once you know once dust settles once once things start getting real you know what it exactly turns into
0: josh man it's great to be back behind the uh behind the zoom screen here talking to you again recording our podcast oh yeah appreciate that and thank you guys all for for tuning in to the uh the challengers podcast thanks everybody and zach always good see you next time